Amen. You may be seated, and if you would with me this morning, take your Bibles there to Jeremiah in chapter number 4. Jeremiah chapter number 4. And we'll look at just two verses this morning. I'm very, very thankful uh, for the opportunity to speak and to share God's Word. And I'm thankful for a God who is at work. We serve a God who has not spun this world into existence and then forgotten about us. We serve a God who cares about our own souls. And um, just thinking this week, we were there in the Netherlands and spent a lot of time in the schools speaking amongst the young men and the young women of that nation. And uh, in the specific school that we were in, it was very apparent that many of those children did not believe in a God who cared for them. They did not believe in a God who loved them. And I'm, I'm encouraged this, this day that I can say with confidence in the Word of God that God loves you. God loves your soul and He cares about you. And uh, one of the great revealers of that is that He's given us His Word, that He would speak to us, that He would deal with us, that He has a message for us. And so I hope this morning not to speak my own message, not to speak uh, just what I think you need, but from God's Word, from these two verses in Jeremiah chapter number 4. Let me read these two verses again in chapter number 4 of Jeremiah, verses number 3 and 4. This is a message really from God. It doesn't seem to fit necessarily with the message before or that which which comes after. And so many people believe that this was an individual sermon, if you will, from the prophet Jeremiah. And he says this in verse number 3 of chapter 4. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart. Ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire, and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. In in these two verses, we see God Almighty looking upon the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom, looking upon this nation and calling them to prepare their hearts for the work of the Lord. There's three things there that he emphasizes. Breaking up the fallow ground, sowing not among the thorns, And then in verse 4, circumcising yourselves to the Lord. That is taking away the foreskins of your heart. But before you get to this, you almost have to go to the end of what Jeremiah said to see the need for it. In fact, this is really what is very evident as we read through the prophetical books. We read the major and the minor prophets. We see this great truth that judgment is coming. If you read there in the end of verse number 4, it says this, Lest my fury, the fury of God, come forth like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. It's a quite simple gospel message. Mankind is broken and full of evil, right? We know that. For as an Adam, all die. As an Adam, we are all sinful, every single one of us. And because of that, the wrath of God is therefore going to be poured out on our accounts. For the wages of sin is death. 
That's the reality of our world. And it was here for the, for the children of Israel. They had forsaken the true and living God. They had gone their way. At this point, Israel had already gone into captivity, had already been suffering from that judgment. But now God is warning this, this southern tribe, the tribe of Judah, it would have also included Benjamin, and He's warning them that if they don't get right with God, that His wrath would then be poured out upon them. You see that uh, as, as, you, as you read through it. But what's encouraging as we read the book of Jeremiah is that God is patient. God is kind. God is gracious. He's long-suffering. Now, we know the end from the beginning in Israel's history. We know that they did go into captivity. That they did spend 70 years in Babylonian captivity. But God, even in that, would eventually remove them. But God was giving them the chance to turn to return, to repent. And so time and time again, we see God sending prophets. He sends Isaiah. He sends Ezekiel. He sends Jeremiah. He sends the minor prophets. Even before that, we can go back and we see how He sent men like Elijah and Elisha trying to call the people back to Himself. As a Christian, can I tell you, that's one of the the great responsibilities that God has placed upon us. Sure, maybe none of us are prophesying, we're not foretelling the future, but we know that, that judgment is coming, and so we have the opportunity to tell others that God loves them and that now is the time to get right with God. I love that verse. We looked at it a few, uh, few messages ago in chapter 2, verse 9, when God says, Wherefore, I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. As we hear of that God who has come to seek and to save that which is lost, who is searching for the souls of mankind that we would get right with Him, God pleads and God desires that this people, that Jerusalem, would get right with Him. That a revival would once again happen in His people. And so God does this again and again. His message there is seen in chapter 3, verse 7, as He said, And I said, after she had done all these things, turn thou unto Me. The great emphasis of turning to God. But the great issue in Israel's heart and Judah's heart was that their hearts and minds were so hardened to the things of God that nothing fruitful would ever come from them. Even time and time again, as God would send forth messengers, as God would send forth prophets, as God would even give them His very words, and they would hear the words of God, their hearts were so hard that nothing fruitful would ever seem to grow. I wonder this morning, is this you? Is this you? Are you so hard-hearted? So overgrown with weeds as we'll see? So disconcerned with the things of God that there is no way for anything good to grow in your life? What is your heart like this morning? What is, what is your heart like? When we, we often speak of the heart of man and and of course we don't mean a love heart and we don't mean the, the chief organ in your body that pumps blood to all your veins and and fills you. What we're talking about when we speak of the heart is not a physical heart, 
but we speak in a spiritual sense. And it really represents the ma- a man or a woman's entire mental and moral activity, where our emotions and affections come from. One, one man said that it speaks of the inner feelings of one's thoughts, will, and spiritual life. Now, when we consider your heart this morning, I wonder what kind of heart do you have? Now, the nice thing is we can go to Matthew and, and we can see how Jesus Christ spirit, uh, clearly described and clearly speaks of what kind of hearts people have. In Matthew chapter 13, you guys know this, the parable of the sower and the seed. And there's four different types of ground that the seed is sown on. Now, the Lord tells us exactly what this parable means. And so he doesn't, he doesn't mince his words. And he, he speaks of how the, the seed is the word of God and that it falls onto these four different grounds. First of all, the wayside, the ground that has been trodden down. We could say the path that's been well worn. It's become very hard. Some of you this morning, that might be your heart. It's been trodden on by the philosophies of this world, by the the scientific uh, discoveries of of evolution, by all that this world has to to offer, and your heart is hard. And so as someone casts the seed out, maybe you come under, uh, not under the tent, but in the barn week after week, or wherever you, you worship, and you've heard the Word of God hundreds of times, yet nothing happens. Because your heart's hard. Maybe it's like the second ground. The second ground is described as a stony ground. Uh, where, where there was a bit of, a bit of good ground, but underneath was stones. And as, as soon as the, the, the plants sprung up, they hit the stones and they could not get water. Maybe that's like you. Maybe, maybe your heart's like the thorny ground that is so busied with the cares of this world that as soon as the seed is sown, it can never receive any sunlight and is choked out. Or maybe your heart is a good heart. Maybe you say this morning, you know, I think I've got a soft heart. I think I have a heart that is good. I hope that's so. But I also wonder this. I wonder if you have patches in your heart. Just like a, a large field might, might have uh, different patches in the field. Maybe part of the field has thorns. Maybe part of the field has rocks. And maybe part of the, the field is hard. And maybe there are some soft spots. But I wonder generally, what is your heart like this morning? What is your heart like? How is your inner man? Now, naturally, if we look at Jeremiah chapter 17, we'll see that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So by nature, our hearts are hardened. Our hearts are disinterested in the things of God. By nature, Matthew chapter 15 says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. It's not, in, in Matthew he's saying it's not what goes into man that defiles him, it's what comes out of him. And so often our hearts, our lives, our inner man is so corrupted by the things of this world. We find that battle inside of us, especially as a believer. You feel that uh, that between the carnal man, the natural man, and the spiritual man. It's like a dogfight in our own souls. And you might sit here today and think, that's me. You know what? I know it. I know there are parts in my life 
that I'm hard. But I think it's possible and, and probable amongst a, a, a crowd of, of predominantly believers, predominantly Christians, that many of us sit here today or even myself can stand here today and think that my heart is okay, but realize, but never realize that our hearts are actually often harder than, than we know. And I wonder if you would search your own heart if you would have some hard spots. But what's encouraging to me about Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse number 3 and 4 is that the great prophet Jeremiah, no doubt as God moved him, spoke and shared words of how we might prepare our hearts. Just imagine the picture of, of we, we were... Uh, we were having church just a few, uh, just last week, just on Wednesday, in a barn on a field, and and you'll notice that maybe some of those fields have just recently be, been planted. They had been broken up before before the farmer Bill ever went and planted those f- fields. Before he ever sowed the seed, he he would have had to break up the fallow ground. He would have taken his plow and 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 made all that ground soft. I imagine he would have hoped for rain that the, that the ground might have been uh, moist to receive the seed, to receive that which was sown. I believe that he, I actually spoke to him because the prices of, of the nutrients that he has to spread on the fields have gone up, but he had to do it. He, he spread the, the fertilizer. He spread the nutrients into the ground that it would be rich soil so that when the seed was in it, it would grow quickly. There was a preparation made into the soil that when the seed was planted, it would grow. And you and I have the responsibility. God gives us the responsibility to prepare our hearts for His Word. Oftentimes, we we come to church services very unprepared. We come to the Word of God unprepared. Maybe this is you, and, and you can imagine I've done this hundreds of times, and I know that I need to read my Bible in the morning, so I, I, I pause for a second, the babies are crying in the background, and I read very quickly as, as fast as I can to get it over with, and I was never ready to receive the Word. And many of mornings go by, maybe you've been there, where you know you read God's Word, but you have no clue what you read. I've been there. Why? Because your heart wasn't prepared. You didn't enter in ready to receive God's Word. Sometimes we're like that with church. We race in. We know, we know church starts at 11 or just a little after. And we race in right at 11.30, thinking we're going to catch them on time. And you roll in the door late, rushing about. Uh, you're still putting your suit jacket on, still finishing your tie. You're not prepared. Talking and, and, and talking about the things of this world before the service. We ought to learn to prepare our hearts as we come into a church service to be ready to receive the Word of God. Our pastor often speaks before we we get together for the Lord's table about preparing your hearts. Even the night before, maybe Saturday night, spending time, it's not a great night to watch television. It's a great night to prepare yourselves for the work of the Lord. I wonder, do you prepare your hearts? Are you prepared to hear the Lord speak? Even a church service is ordered in a way that usually, uh, maybe you've noticed this, but usually the peppier songs are first, and then we, we move down to songs that are a little bit more slower, that are a little bit more, make us think a little more about our souls right before the preaching of the sermon. To prepare our hearts. Now, 
Sometimes we think it's, it's good that we prepare our hearts. But how do we do this? Let's look at the passage of Scripture. As God speaks, verse number 3 of chapter 4, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. Now, sometimes, I'll just say this very quickly, sometimes we read prophecy and we think that it was only for the, the people of that day. But can I tell you, God has given us His Word and He's preserved this Word because He wants us to glean something from it. And so don't, don't be confused to think, oh, this is for Judah and Jerusalem. That doesn't include me because I'm an American. I'm British. I'm wherever you come from. Um, this, this Word is for you. And it applies to you. Notice what He says first of all. Jeremiah says this. The Lord says this. Break up your fallow ground. Now the first time I read this, I thought, now I know I need to prepare my heart, but all I just read was prepare your heart. Now that, that doesn't help me. The question that we want to answer this morning is, how do I prepare my heart? How can I prepare my heart for the work of the Lord? And, and I feel like I just read, prepare your heart, plow your field. Okay, I know that, but how? I think the very first thing that you have to, to have is a recognition, a realization that you have a hard heart, that your field needs plowing. Notice, notice how he says that, break up your fallow ground. We like to read that. I like to read that. Break up your wife Joanna's fallow ground. Okay, hey, come here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really give it to her. I'm a hammer. No, no, no. It says break up your fallow ground. Break up your fallow ground. In other words, you have a responsibility to soften your own heart. Now, no doubt, no doubt, the Trinity works in that. God works in that. The Spirit, the Jesus Christ, work in your heart to soften it. No doubt there's a, a hardening and a softening that the Lord does. But God also places on us the responsibility we are held accountable for our sins. He places on us the responsibility to soften our hearts. And maybe you're here this morning, even listening now, and your heart is hard. I wonder, do you recognize it? Do you realize it? Fallow means unplowed or unkept. Not necessarily speaking necessarily that it's a, it might have been soft, but it was unkept. It was, it had been disregarded for a time. It was neglected. They had neglected their hearts. And so their hearts, because they hadn't given them any concern, had become overgrown. They'd become hard. And this happens to us. We, we don't think, I haven't purposely gone and, and done wickedness, but I simply neglected my heart. This is the reason why you read of people like John Wesley, who every day would, would go through those 22 questions for self-examination. He wanted to take a, a, a check on his heart. He wanted to do an exam on his heart and see where he was. To see if throughout the day he had had any hard spots in his life. You don't necessarily have to go through Wesley or anybody else's questions, but you and I ought to learn to check our hearts, to examine ourselves. The Scriptures say, let a man examine himself. I wonder, is your heart hard? The, the scary thing about a hard heart is it doesn't happen overnight. I think it happens oftentimes like a lake freezes. Maybe as 
I don't know if we get too many frozen lakes in this country, but in, in, in a, uh, colder countries, as a lake freezes, it only starts with one layer. And one layer of ice is quite easy. You could drop a, a pebble in it and it would shatter the ice. You could, you could stick your foot in it and the ice would break right away. But with time, one layer at a time, not very obvious from the top because the, the top looks quite similar. It gets harder and harder and thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker till eventually you can walk out on that ice and it, it would not break. You can jump on that ice and it would not break. You would need some sort of instrument, a drill or a tool to break the ice because it's become so hard over time. I wonder if that's you. Maybe when you first put your trust in the Lord and, and the sunlight melted all of that ice in your heart, I wonder if over time your heart has become hard again. Now you know how to look. You look like a cleaner lake maybe. You look like a cleaner person. You come to church regularly. But your heart is just grown in hardness. Grown in thickness. I wonder is that you? Psalm 139 says, the, the psalmist prays, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Now, there's a recognition there that he didn't fully know his heart. That's true of all of us. None of us fully understand ourselves. God alone does. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, the psalmist understood that there were pieces and parts of his life that were hard that he needed the Lord to show him because he had a realization of the fallow ground. I wonder, do you realize the hardness in your own life? The second thing you see there, not only is a realization of the hard ground, he says this, break up your fallow ground. In other words, plow it up. I wonder, have you broken up the hardness in your heart? See, the reality is, is you and I need to learn to care for our hearts, to protect it. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Just like a gardener who is preparing, maybe you, you're preparing, the seasons have changed, and it's a good time to start planting your, your flower beds. You've, you've gone out there and you had to break up the ground. You had to fertilize it. You had to, to water it, to add the nutrition, to add all the things that you need to make sure that it gets the right sun. And so is the same with our hearts. There's no greater way to prepare your heart than to drive the plow of the Word of God deep into that hard soil and allow it to break up the fallow ground. The Word of God, Hebrews 4 tells us, divides asunder. Just as a, as a plow divides the dirt, it breaks it up. So we need the Word of God. Let the Word of God do its work. Now, sometimes, sometimes maybe, maybe you're like myself. Sometimes you, you come to, you know you need to read the Word of God, but you don't feel like it. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. You say, I, I know that I need to read God's Word, but I don't feel like it. Can I tell you, I've been there. Or, or maybe with prayer that way. I know I need to spend time in prayer, but you don't feel like it. The same would be true sometimes when you're planting a garden, you think, man, the fun part is going and putting the, 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 the tomatoes or whatever into the ground and then they grow. I don't want to go prepare it. When we, when we moved into the place where we're at now, they didn't have any garden patches. The whole thing was grass. So I had to go out there with a shovel and, and take off the grass and then break up the ground and pull out the stones and prepare the soil. It takes work. 
And we might not always feel that I want to read God's Word or I want to spend time in prayer, but it takes work. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman. A workman. Put the effort in. Prepare your heart. We often think, I want God to do something in my life, but we're not willing to take our step. Nowhere else in life does that work. Nowhere else in life do things just happen. If you want food on your table, you'll have to go and work a bit, earn some money so that you can go buy the food and put it on your table. If you want to plant a garden, you have to do the work. And the same is true in our own hearts and lives. So for some reason, we, we have this idea that, oh, because it's the, 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 the spiritual realm, that I just sit here and wait till God hits me across the face and wakes me up. Oh, look, that's why His Word's here. That's why you're here this morning. Wake up! Read God's Word! Do something! You say, man, I want the Lord to work in my life. Well, then get into His Word. Get on your knees. Spend time with other Christians. These are the, the, the means that God has given us that we might know Him. That we might seek Him. You say, it's still not working. Well, we'll pursue Him. Like, like uh, Jacob when he wrestled with God. He was wrestling with God because he wanted God to do something in his life. God, God said, let me go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go. What would happen if we were like that? You said, I want God to work. I want God to send a revival into Oxford. I want God to change my life. And what if we said, I'm not going to let God go until He gets a hold of me. I think we're very complacent about this. And I know I myself am there with you. So, so often, so unconcerned. But we are not willing to put in the effort to do our part. We need to put ourselves under the plow of God's Word and allow it to do its work. To allow it to work in our lives. Realization. Plowing up the ground. Then he goes on to say, and so not among the thorns. In other words, stop planting among the thorns. In other words, there's some weeding that needs to be done in our lives. I think this is probably one of the greatest hindrances. Many of us, I think our hearts are probably quite soft. You're here in church. All of you seem to be there are a few visitors, but many of you are here quite regularly. Your heart is soft. You're ready to receive the word. You water it regularly, maybe at your own, at your own house. But the reality is, is your life is so filled with weeds that there's no room for the work of the Lord to grow in you. Now, you say, well, what are the thorns? What are the weeds? Thankfully, Matthew 13 uh, gives us, as Christ spoke exactly to what this was, He said this, He also that receives seeds among the thorns is He that heareth the Word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the world. The Word. And He becometh unfruitful. Let me read that again. He received the Word. Among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. Some of you and then some of us today are unfruitful because our hearts, our minds are so consumed with the riches and the cares of this temporary life 
that the fruitfulness that God desires in our lives cannot grow. We're so concerned about our houses and our cars. We're concerned about our possessions. We're concerned about our holidays. We're concerned about the news and what social media has to say. We're concerned about our friends and our families, which are all good things. We, it's okay to have a house. It's okay to have a car. It's okay to have family and friends. But when we are so concerned about it that we cannot see God, it chokes out the Word. It chokes out what God is trying to do in our lives. In Haggai chapter 1, this was, was the message, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? And this house lie waste. He, he was saying, is it time? The, the children of Israel, they had, this, and, and Haggai, they had come out of captivity. They had been restored to Jerusalem. And they would begun to build the house of the Lord. They begun to build the temple. Zerubbabel's temple. They were building it. But as they were building it, they got distracted with their own homes. And so they all went their separate homes and they began to, to paint and to decorate They began to reconstruct and add to their home and all of their money, all of their effort, all of their time was consumed with their own home and not with the house of the Lord. We could say they were concerned with what pleased them and not with what pleased God. I wonder, is that you? Are your affections, elsewhere in the Scripture says, set your affection on things above. I wonder, are your affections, the loves of your heart set on this world? What consumes you? See, I I think that many of us have these weeds growing in us. Distracting us. I think that this is probably the great fault of Western Christianity. We're lukewarm because of the cares of this world. Maybe, maybe our hearts are soft. Maybe we regularly are in the church. We regularly receive the seed. We receive the Word. But all the vanities of this world hinder us and hinder the work of God. And that's not even going into the other things like gossip and bitterness. The other things that are deep in our heart like anger and malice. Simply the cares of this world more consumed, and I've been there. I, I'm, not, I'm not preaching to you because I don't feel these things. I, I know what it's like to live in this world. I'm here too. Like I know what it's like to want to look good and to want to smell good. And I know what it's like to, to want to have a nice house with, with nice pictures on the wall. I know what it's like to, to want to have a nice car and all of those things. I know the same pool that you feel. And God looks at you and He looks at me today and He says, hey, pull those weeds out. Stop sowing among the thorns. Stop. Prepare your hearts. I think a lot of us have a lot of weeding to do. You say, man, Seth, my heart is not hard, but I wonder, are there a lot of weeds in it? I'm growing onions this year. I planted like a hundred of them. And... and, uh, I don't know if that's a lot or not, but I planted them all. And, and they were growing really well for a while, but I've noticed recently that the, the, the weeds have grown up. And there's time that I need to go and pull out the weeds so that the, that which is fruitful might grow. You know, it's interesting. From, from above, 
The onions look green and the weeds look green. They both look green. They both look fruitful. They both look like they're growing well. But you and I both know that under the ground, something that is useful is growing in those onions. Whereas with the weeds, it's unprofitable. They look the same from the top, but deep down, one is fruitful. And this is, I think this is probably what happens in our own lives. We allow the weeds to grow because they look quite similar on the surface to that which is fruitful. But deep down, we know there's a difference. In our hearts, that which is underground, we know there's a difference. I wonder, would, would you do some weeding today? Are there things in your life that you need to remove? Maybe you don't need to remove them completely, but maybe you need to limit your time on social media, on the internet, on the television. Why? Because it's a care that's pulling you away, dragging us away. I wonder what is it? There's more in this passage. There's more in verse number 4. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and, and take away the foreskins of your heart. He, he goes to say, consecrate yourselves. But I want to stop here and, and I just want to ask you, what is your heart like this morning? What is my heart like? I think we get distracted. I know we get distracted. And the cares of this world, the, the riches of this world, all that we experience distracts us. S Satan is very good at that. I think one of the things that, that it saddens me is to realize I, I think that there are some of us here this morning who Satan cares more about your soul than you do. Satan cares more about sowing the, 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 the weeds and the thorns into your life than you care about sowing the Word of God. Satan cares more about trampling your heart down that it would be hard than you care about breaking it up that it might be soft. Satan cares more about de defiling the ground of your heart than you do about making it good. And I wonder today, do you care about your heart and your soul? Do you care about what happens to you when you die? Some of you say you do with your mouth, but do you really, in your inner man, care about your soul? There's a God in heaven that does. There's a God in heaven that wants to work in you. And all He asks us is to break up that fallow ground. Prepare our hearts that He might work. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among the thorns. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask that Thou it's Help us to realize the responsibility Thou hast put upon us to prepare our hearts for Thee to work. And I ask, I do pray, Lord, that Thou hadst work in our nation. I pray that Thou hadst work in this world. Lord, I pray that Thou hadst work under this tent even this morning. And I pray and ask that Thou hadst work in my heart. Help me to break up the fallow ground, Lord. I pray for those that are here this morning that are lost, that are dead in their trespasses of sins and have never realized it. 
They've never realized how hard their hearts are. They've never realized how the weeds have crowded out the 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 seed that that thou would sow even this morning, Lord. I ask that thou would show them, and that they would break up. That thou would break up, Lord, for those who are are so hard that they wouldn't break up their own fallow ground. That don't even know they need to seek thee, Lord. I ask that thou would draw them unto thyself and save their souls. I pray for our children. Lord, who, who might not even be old enough to understand the Word, I ask that Thou wouldst even now begin to soften their hearts as they grow. Lord, help them to understand that, that Thou wouldst desire them to be saved. That God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I pray for those children that are old enough, who do hear the Word, who, who do receive it. Lord, I pray that their hearts would be good that they would receive thy word and their lives would be changed. Please, Lord, do a work this morning, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.